I am the river by Amber Morningstar Byers. The smoke from the sacred fire floats through the air, blanketing the camp with the smell of sage, tobacco, and cedar. I close my eyes as I lay my head against the back of my cold camp chair. I try to concentrate on the rhythm of my breath in an effort to calm my heartbeat. My muscles are tight and exhausted. My mind races with thoughts of all the emails piling up in my inbox and homework left untouched. I breathe deep, unclench my jaw and open my eyes. I am looking at a scarred earth, deep trenches dug by the multinational pipeline company Enbridge. I am on the front lines of the Line 3 pipeline resistance at the Red Lake Treaty Camp in Northern Minnesota. Line 3 is an oil pipeline expansion constructed by Enbridge, a corporate pipeline giant responsible for the largest inland oil spill in the United States. Enbridge proposed this pipeline in 2014 to carry almost a million barrels of tar sands oil per day from Alberta, Canada to Superior, Wisconsin, crossing under the headwaters of the Mississippi and endangering the wild rice beds of the Anishinaabe. This endangerment is a violation of the Anishinaabe treaty rights as explained by the Sierra Club. In 1855, the Anishinaabe ceded 10 million acres of Minnesota's Northern Lake country to the federal government, but reserved the rights to hunt, fish, gather, and hold ceremony on the lands. Anishinaabe territory was included in a series of 19th century land treaties to make peace in return for money and goods. Over time, the amount of reserved land for native tribes dwindled as the US government looked to expand and capitalize off timber sales. Now, Buried beneath this resource-laden land and its troubled history lies Enbridge Line 3, a 34-inch pipeline built in the 1960s that ships crude oil from Alberta, Canada to a terminal in Wisconsin that is adjacent to the Bay of Lake Superior. Built before the National Environment Protection Act of 1970, the line didn't require any environmental review. I have now been on the Line 3 front lines for almost a month in an attempt to assist the Anishinaabe and their allies in the fight to protect their right to clean water and a healthy land base. I came to the front lines not only to defend the treaties undermined by Enbridge, but to protect the treaties made between indigenous people and the natural world. In the beginning of time, indigenous peoples around the world made treaties with the earth and all her beings. We agreed to take care of the animals, plants, land, water, and elements. We agreed to live in reciprocity and respect for all things related, including ourselves. I am now on the front lines to uphold these natural agreements and responsibilities given to us by the original instruction handed down by our creator. Frontline work like the kind I am doing is extremely difficult and it is not for everyone. It is not for the dainty or faint of heart. It is not for those who cannot live off of and with the land. It is not for those who cannot take direction from indigenous leadership. It is not for those who cannot check their privileges at the camp gate and put the needs of the community first front and center. It takes a certain type of person to be able to make the sacrifices involved. As land defenders and water protectors, we leave behind our homes jobs, families, educations, and responsibilities to do this work. 
to come to the front lines, I left behind my elderly mother whom I care for, my animals, my work as a full-time law student and my job as a legal research assistant. Like many others, I dropped everything. We do this because we are tired of seeing our mothers suffer under the weight of white supremacy, patriarchy, greed, and capitalism. We do this work because we know we can and because it is hard, strengthening, and beautiful. And beautiful it is. Yesterday morning, I watched as a bald eagle circled over the river, diving to catch a fish. The fat walleye swimming below shimmered in the early morning light. It was first light at around 6 a.m., I would guess. I had just woken up and was feeling around in my tent for my turtle shell rattle and coffee thermos when I heard the unmistakable screech overhead. I scrambled out of my tent just in time to see the eagle dive into the water, talons extended in a glorious attempt at breakfast. It missed the fish and I empathetically shared its disappointment. I was reminded to be thankful for the nourishment I would receive that morning. Moments like this with the eagle occur daily at camp. Whether it's when the beloved camp dog Pahi snuggles up against my leg, or when a school of minnows swim up to my kayak as I gently paddle my way down river, I am constantly reminded that in this place and all places, I am not separate from nature. I am the earth and the earth is me. Camp is a reminder of the way we should all be living. We are not meant to sit in an office eight hours a day, staring at a screen, eating food that will rot our bodies and spirits. We should be out on the river and sleeping on the earth. We should be working with the land, preparing food for one another, telling stories and singing songs around a fire. White culture would have us embarrassed at this notion. It's some real quote unquote kumbaya shit, I know. But I don't care because to me, it's the only real way to live. The rivers, lakes, land, animals, plants, stars, and wind, rain, they're all very real to me. Emails don't feel real. Neither does money, nice cars and clothes or the Western image of success. Institutional education does not feel real to me. Everything I need to learn is right outside my door. All the best teachers exist in the natural realm. Sadly, most days we neglect to attend the lessons of nature, neglecting our ancestral ways of living for a modern and quote unquote civilized way of life. I don't shame us for it because it's by no fault of our own that we have been forced into this way of life. The main goal of colonization and globalism is to create mass dependency on the systems of capitalism created by white supremacy. Colonization has purposefully diminished our connection to the great mother. Thankfully, some of us have not forgotten our ancestral ways and connectedness. My remembrance of these ways was furthered when a young woman from Alaska arrived at camp one day. She came bearing a song to sing during one of our daily ceremonies in which the women from camp gather by the river each morning to sing songs of gratitude to greet the day. I shook my turtle shell rattle and she gently stomped her foot to the beat and together we sang the words. I am the river, 
I am the sea. I am the salmon, the wild osprey. I am the wind in the aspen trees. I am you and you are me. The words of this woman's song help to remind me that our knowledge of connection and relation has not been lost completely. Indigenous peoples around the world are fighting to maintain it. For us, resistance camps like Lion 3, Standing Rock and Oak Flat are not mere movements for social and environmental justice. They are a way of life. We have been fighting for our land water and people for 500 years and we will never stop fighting. This must now be a way of life for all people if we are to survive the atrocities happening to our earth. All people must fight. All people must reconnect. All people must remember that without reciprocity we create imbalance. To restore balance, we must remember that we are the river and we are the sea. I am you and you are me. We are all related. This article is dedicated to all the brave land defenders and water protectors holding space on front lines around the world. May the ancestors bless and hold you.